0: Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Um, it's always really great to be here with all of you. Um, so the months before our family join you all um, are starting to turn into weeks, and, um, and we're getting excited. Uh, my wife and I are both really looking forward to just being here every week with you and um, being a part of this community and just seeing what God's going to do through, um, through Redeemer um, what God is already doing through Redeemer as churches are being planted and as people are coming to know the Lord. It's such an exciting place to be a part of, and I just want to thank you. want to thank you on behalf of my wife and myself and my family, just thus far how welcoming all of you have been. So very much appreciated. I don't want to spend too much time talking about all that because... I start to ramble when I talk about myself. I'd rather just talk about the Bible. It's so much easier because it's right in front of you, and I don't have to think through all these stories and whatever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for grace. Thank you for how you love your people, Lord God. And um, thank you for this text in particular, Lord God. What it means that, that no longer is the gospel confined to one particular ethnic group, Um, but rather it goes forth to the nations, um, that no matter what color of our skin, no matter where we hail from, no matter our socioeconomic status, Lord, the gospel is for us. Um, I thank you for that, and I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would um, draw us near to yourself, cause us to repent where necessary, Lord God, and that your name would be glorified. We love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be looking at just three verses this morning, and we're going to jump into another passage for a few minutes, and then we're going to be all over the New Testament. Um, So that's our trajectory. So we're going to start small. We're going to get a little bigger, and then we're going to go everywhere, which is kind of what this passage is about, where it starts with one, and then it goes to a few other descendants, and then all of a sudden there's this family that is blessed that ends up being a blessing to the entire, like the entire world, right? Um, so that's where we're going this morning. And um, last week, you guys heard from Pastor Eric about the Tower of Babel and the rebellion that took place there, that there was this group of people that all spoke the same language, and they decided that they were going to make a great name for themselves that they were going to make a name for themselves, that they were going to build a tower into the heavens, which in the ancient Near Eastern mind, like, that's like, that's a big deal. You're trying to break a barrier between heaven and earth, between God and man, and they're doing it on their own terms. And rightfully so, what does God do? He responds to their arrogance, to their pride, to their sin, by scattering them throughout the earth. But the grace of God, The grace of God, every single time we see this pattern throughout Scripture, that in the midst of rebellion, God meets that with grace. In the midst of rebellion, God meets that with grace. We saw that in the garden where Adam and Eve were given just this perfect, wonderful, glorious setting that they were to dwell in and to thrive and to fill the earth from there, to be a blessing to the entire world. And they sinned because they had a better idea than God. And God immediately meets that with blessing, with promise, with redemption, with grace. That's precisely what we see here in Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abraham, what is known by many as the Abrahamic covenant, is that in the midst of rebellion, there's grace. So let's read our text and let's jump in. It starts in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham. Like, even there, I'm just going to stop, right? Now the Lord, Yahweh, the creator of all that we see, condescends, gets down on his knees the way you would with a child, and talks to Abraham. Right? Even that, right? Even the first Little breath that I like we breathe out as we read this verse. Now the Lord said to Abraham, "There's grace there." He's actually conversing with his creatures. Our God speaks to us. Our God wants to be a part of our lives. He engages with us through His Word, through the people of God. He He meets with us. There's blessing here. There's grace here. There's enormous amounts of just. Good news as we read this text. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So what he says to Abraham, what he begins this conversation with is a command, is an imperative, is is something that he is requiring of Abram. He says, go. He says, go, and then what is followed is the costliness of what it will mean for this man to go. Abram um, lived in in Haran, and he had a a whole world there. His father's house, his whole entire family, like that's where his blessing was, right? That's where his, his wealth was, that's where his 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 comfort was and he's being told to leave all that and we know that this is his home base because even his kids later on go back there to to get wives like this is home base right think about in your mind like where is that place for you where is that comfortable place that that home base where you typically go back to where, where you know that when you're there, you're safe. That when you drive through that particular neighborhood, you still know every nook and cranny. You still know every single corner store. Maybe it's like a pizzeria. Maybe it's a diner that like you go in there and all of a sudden you're like, I'm home. Right? Everyone has things popping into their brain right now. For me, I grew up in Lincroft New Jersey, a few miles north of here. And it's Joyce's Subs. I worked there as a kid. I would go there. And like every time I drive by, I'm like, I'm home. And then I also have a bunch of other memories that pop in mind. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to go home. That's crazy there. But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. But the Lord said to Abraham, go from that place. Go from that place. Go from the place that you feel most comfortable. Go from the place that you feel most at home. Go from the place where all your family is, where all your memories are. And I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to tell you about it yet. I'm not going to give you like a brochure, but I'm going to show it to you when you get there. The costliness of obedience. The costliness of obedience calls us to move in a direction that is uncomfortable, that is sacrificial, that hurts. And if that's what God is calling us to do, then we need to obey. And, and I want to take a minute to talk through calling for just a brief second, right? Because many of us talk about like, oh, I've been called to this, I've been called to this, I've been called to that. How many of you experience that have heard that before? Like, God's called me to this, God's called me to that. Has anyone ever been confused by that? I've been confused by it because sometimes I'm wondering like, well, what do you mean you've been called? What, what do you mean you've been, 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 that God has called you? Like, did you hear his voice? Like, did he say, like, hello? Like, what does that mean? And, and so often, my wife and I, we talk about how God has called us into ministry. Um, he's called us now. What we're beginning to see, he's called us to Tom's River. And and what I've come to understand, what I've come to learn about this idea of calling, is that there are things wrapped up in it that we need to make sure we're understanding before we just start throwing language out, right? The idea that my wife and I have been called into ministry and and have been called here to Tom's River has like a huge backstory that actually, in retrospect, is much clearer than it was day one. I don't know if you've noticed that when you end up following God, you look back and you said, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal because all the pieces were put into place. But when you first take that step, you're like, I don't think this is for me. This is scary, but in retrospect, you begin to see that that there were certain circumstances that were clear as you kept on taking each step. There were people in your life that were affirming certain gifts and certain things that you were thinking, and, and they were coming around. You trusted counselors, godly people who were saying, yes, I see that in you. Yes, I think you should move in that direction. And then we look to the text, right? Like, is the Bible say I should do this? Like, Like, I don't think God would call me to open up something that was, like, horrifically wicked and illegal. Like, I don't think God's calling me to, like, start a new crime family, right? Like, I don't think that's what he's calling me to because clearly we're not supposed to do those things, right? So scripture matters. The commands of God matter when it comes to calling. So that was a little bit of an excursus, so I don't want to get too bogged down in that. But calling is one of those things that sometimes we we throw those words around, and it's important that we understand, like like, The community of faith matters when it comes to calling. Our circumstances matter when it comes to calling. And the word of God matters when it comes to calling. Where is God leading his people? So here we are, right? Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And he says, and I will make make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He says, I will make you a great nation and a great name. Now, remember what happened in Genesis 11. Remember when they were all gathered and they wanted to build that tower so that we might make a name for ourselves, I don't think the biblical writers here, that Moses, as he's penning these words, I don't think he accidentally stumbles across this language, See, the biblical writers are phenomenal storytellers, and they want us to think about the previous chapter when he says that I will make a great name for you. He wants us to think about this great name that the people in Babel were trying to make for themselves. He's intentionally connecting the dots for us because in Genesis chapter 11, they wanted to make a name for themselves, but in Genesis chapter 12, God says, I will make a great name for you. I will make a great name for you. Like there's a little adjective inserted in the Hebrew. So we know that this is somewhat of a distinction from what was happening prior. I will make a great name for you and I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And we start to wonder like, what do you mean by blessed? What does it mean to be blessed by God? Well, We understand that as we read through the scriptures, that blessing comes with this idea of of fruitfulness, of prosperity, of peace, of well-being, of having children. Like, this is what it means to be blessed as we read through the scriptures. And honestly, it's not all that different from how we view blessing. When you think of what it means to live a blessed life, you think of it in terms of like, well, I'm I'm financially secure. Um, My family's healthy. I got a roof over my head. Like, I'm blessed blessed like this isn't foreign to us this idea of being blessed but there's something different that happens because this particular blessing this particular blessing is for a specific purpose it says and i will make of you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great so that so that you will be a blessing there's a purpose to the blessing of God on the life of Abram. There's a very clear purpose. It's not so that he can just live like, you know, in a mansion, like with a sweet car and like kind of just do his thing and say whatever. No, the purpose of this blessing is so that he might be a blessing. It's this, let me fill you up so that you can go out and fill others up. One of them. Um, One guy says it like this, one one scholar. He says, if we love God for something less than himself, we cherish a desire that can fail us. We run the risk of hating him if we do not get what we hope for. But it is lawful to love all things and to seek them once they become a means to the love of God. Once they become a means to the love of God, there is nothing we cannot ask of him if we desire it in order that he may be more loved by ourselves and by others. I want to read that last line again because I think it's so good. He says, There's nothing we cannot ask of him if we desire it in order that he may be more loved by ourselves and by others. The things that God blesses his people with have one purpose, one purpose, to bless those around us so that they might experience the grace of God. See, Abram is experiencing something right now. He's experiencing the grace of God, and and Yahweh does not want it to stay there. He wants it to move past just Abram and his family. In fact, he wants to multiply his family. We read it before in Genesis chapter 22 that it would be as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. He wants to multiply this family. He wants to multiply this blessing so that it continues to grow and expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger so that one day the entire world is blessed by the family of Abram. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he made this promise to Abram. And what happens often is that we forget that this call is is, is universal in its in its, in its magnitude, not in the sense that everyone will become a Christian, but in the sense that every type of person will be in the kingdom of God. Every single type of person will be in the kingdom of God. Every type of person. The people that we look at and, and we kind of like turn our eye at, we're like, ooh, I don't want to be like them. That type of person will be with us in glory. sit with us for a minute. Because some of us have those types of people, those groups that we don't want to necessarily associate ourselves with. We have those people that that maybe cause us to cross to the other side of the street. And God's saying, oh, no, 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 no. They're going to be in the kingdom with you. Because my blessing is Is a universal blessing. Every type of person, every type of person will be in the kingdom of God. That's the glory of this promise. And those of us sitting in this room, unless you hail from Israel and are an ethnic Jew, Those of us who sit in this room are the benefactors of this promise. The benefactors of this promise. He goes on. In verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. I will bless those who bless you and and those who dishonor you, I will curse. Now, often we read this verse, right? We think... I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. How many of you have heard it that way before? I will bless those who bless, and I will curse those who curse. There's a really important distinction here in the text. Because there's a different word used. It's not, I will curse those who will curse you. It's, I will curse those who don't take you seriously. I will curse those who literally take you lightly. And that's so interesting because this isn't an eye-for-an-eye eye situation here, right? Because an eye-for-an-eye eye situation would be like if, if, if I look at somebody and I say, like, ah, they're nothing, that, that, then they would look at me and say, ah, you're nothing. But no, it's I look at them and say, ah, you're nothing, and they blow my head off, right? Do you see, you see the difference there? So it's not, I will curse those who curse you. It's actually God looking down at his man, Abram, and saying, man, I love you so much, and I love the people that you are going to become so much, that if anyone even comes remotely close to you and, and, just, and, and says a snide remark about you, I'm going to cast them into judgment. Cast them into judgment. Which, what does that say about our God for us who are his children? Man, he loves us. Right? If you have kids and anyone's ever, like, said something to your kid that maybe bothered you, I have a, I'm going to tell a story. We were in Target. Um, this is an embarrassing story, but, it's, but it makes sense. Um, so we were in Target and my one son... Um, was standing in line, and I was on the other side of the register. And there was a, there was a gentleman behind him, and um, my wife was filling out some, some paperwork because she was getting, like, a Target card, right? Because they were like, hey, you could save 20%. Oh, cool, let's do that, and then we'll rip it up and throw it away. Um, so he's online, and he's standing there, and the, the gentleman, and I'm using that term lightly, um, his his stuff, his very important stuff... We're, like, right next to our stuff, right? And there was the bar in between, right? You put the thing down so, you know, we don't want our stuff to mix with other people's stuff because, God forbid, that would be a horrific tragedy. And, and Nathan is just sitting there leaning, and, and literally he's breathing on the stuff. He's breathing on the stuff. And so this guy looks at my son. He says, don't touch my stuff. And I was like, excuse me? So I, I looked at him for a second I just kind of stared at him. And I looked at Nathan. I said, hey, buddy, you're not doing anything wrong. And I said it with kind of a smile because I was kind of, you know. And so he continues doing his thing. And the guy then says again, hey, get off my stuff. So I proceeded to walk around. And I walk up to the gentleman. And I said, if you ever talk to my son like that again, there's going to be an enormous problem. Please shut your mouth. And my son was psyched. Like, <laughs> He talked about it for like a bit because he's like, my dad, like my dad's got my back. Our father has our back. He's got us. If we belong to him, he's going to take care of us. He's going to love us. He's going to care for us. He's going to discipline us. He's going to be with us. He's going to tell that gentleman in Target to step off. Because we belong to him. That's what he's trying to convey when he says, those who even look at you sideways, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Man, that should bring comfort and encouragement to us, right? That should bring peace, right? And here we are, right? Like in the midst of rebellion, what are we seeing unfold? We're seeing grace unfold. But here's where the grace bomb sort of lands right now. It says, it says and, in, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So the same families that were scattered throughout the entire world because of their rebellion against God at Babel, what does God do immediately following that? He speaks a word of blessing to them. We need to hear that. They rebelled. They thought they can be like God. That should sound familiar. That's Genesis 3 all over again, just kind of recapitulating, repeating itself throughout the course of the entire Old Testament. Those who thought they can be God, those who mocked God, those who says we can do this on our own, we don't need your help, we don't need you, God says, I will bless you. I will bless you. Because God does have a blessing reserved for his enemies. Because we were all at enmity with God. And he brought us in. He brought us in. And that's what we're beginning to see here. That as, as, as the people of the world crumbled in their own sin, God says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let it go that way. That's not how this story ends. In fact, this story is going to end with you, Abram, having a bunch of children, having a bunch of children, a bunch of more children, all of which end up being unfaithful. This entire nation of Israel just becomes an unfaithful mess. It ends with them in exile. And then we're reintroduced to this nation of Israel. While they might be in the land, they're under Roman rule. And then all of a sudden there's this one that pops up on the scene, the one who fulfills this particular call of Abraham, the one who fulfills the entire story of Israel, the one who becomes the king that was promised to David in in 2 Samuel. And all of a sudden we have this one guy, this one faithful man, this one person who encapsulates everything that Israel was to be, and his name is Jesus Christ. And in him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And that's where this entire story is heading. That's where it's going. That's the beauty of this covenant that God makes with Abram. That there's going to be one faithful Israelite. One faithful Israelite, who goes by the name of Jesus. And in him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Don't think it's a mistake that that word, in you, is used with Abraham. And don't think that in Genesis 22, when it says, in all the families of the earth, in in my seed, in my offspring, that little word, in, which is literally a letter in the Hebrew. That little word in is a foreshadowing of everything we get in Christ because what happens when we put our faith in Christ? We are brought into union with him. We are brought into union with him and we receive every single thing that was given to him. We receive adoption, we receive justification, we receive sanctification, we receive glorification. We are resurrected and we will be seated in the heavenly places with him for all eternity because we are in him. Union with Christ is the is it's everything. It's everything. And we see that prefigured in the man of Abram, who then we see it prefigured, following his obedience, his costly obedience, when he offers up Isaac as a sacrifice, but God provides a substitute. We see that in all of his offspring. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, until then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, until it's just Jesus, and then it explodes. This is the grace of God that in the midst of rebellion, there's grace. There's grace. That in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our posturing ourselves, our pretending that Eric was talking about last week where we pretend to be something we're not, in the midst of all that, God is is speaking grace to us, saying, "No, no, no, come back. Come back. Come back. Come back so that you can go. Right? Because then we start to think, what does this mean for us? Right? There's this personal aspect, right, where we are incorporated into the the children of Abraham. We become the people of God. We become adopted into that family, that tree that had limbs chopped off so that we can be grafted onto it. We become a part of that. But then, in the same way that Abram was blessed so that he would be a blessing, we too are blessed so that we can become a blessing. It's written on your back wall, our back wall. Go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations, all nations, go. I just can't imagine that's an accident. Go. We've heard that before, right? There's all these cool connections, right, that you just start seeing like, oh, well then, that's exciting. Go, therefore, and make disciples of All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We saw, as Pastor Eric pointed out last week, that Babel was reversed at Pentecost, right? And also what we see in the Great Commission, that that we now, as we've been given this great blessing, are to go and disciple all the nations. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see, let me get there. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, that remember, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and following, it says, Therefore, and this is like one of the most important passages in the Bible, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hand. So, so there's this mocking sort of happening. The people of Israel would look at Gentiles and say, look at the uncircumcision. That doesn't sound like a really great insult for us in the 21st century, but back then, man, you don't want to call someone uncircumcision. That's like Those are fighting words. Anyway, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant, covenants of promise. That's the covenant we're dealing with this morning. The Abrahamic covenant is the covenant of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God. The both are the people of Israel and all the nations. Those are the two groups of people in the world. Israel and everybody else. And you know what Jesus says? No, no, no. There's only one. well, there's still two groups of people. But there's one group that I call my people. And those are my adopted sons and daughters. The church. Man. Man, we we get in. We get in. We were foreigners. We were strangers to the covenant of promise, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. But in his blood, he tore down the dividing wall of hostility, which kept Gentiles, which kept the majority of us in this room away from the presence of God. He brings us in. He brings us in so that we can go and do likewise. That we can proclaim this message of hope, of grace, of peace to all the world, to all the world, that regardless of skin color, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, whatever it is that you might be setting up lines of division in, Jesus blows that up. He blows it up and he says, no. For God so loved the world, not this particular group of people. In fact, there was a time where I loved a particular group of people for one purpose, so that they might show my love to the entire world. So those of us who are thinking that, that the gospel belongs to me or the gospel belongs to this particular group, Jesus is saying, absolutely not. I didn't die for a cheap gospel. I died so that the Abrahamic covenant might come to fruition and that all the world might see me, that all the world might dwell in my presence. Revelation chapter 7 says it like this. says after this i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne And around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Man, the gospel's big. We have a big gospel. We have a big gospel that brings everyone to the table by the blood of Jesus. We are made whole. We are made righteous. And everyone can partake. Everyone can partake. Everyone. Like, we gotta, it's gotta sit with us. Especially as we as a church are thinking through, like, church planting and what it means to, to proclaim the gospel. Pastor Eric was talking last, last week how he was, how he prays for revival. And man, if we, if we want to see people come to faith, if we want to see churches planted, we have to have the same vision that God has. And his vision is, th- is that, it's go. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations because that was the plan all along. I mean, notice the thing that Paul gets so upset about in the New Testament. When Peter starts guarding the table and saying, no, 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 no I'm not going to eat with you because you guys aren't circumcised, Paul, like, flips out. He flips out. Like, takes him to task. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. The blood of Christ is much bigger than your, than your hang-ups, Peter. The blood of Christ is much bigger than your racial and ethnic and religious hang-ups. Like, you better fall in line, bro. This is, this is our God. This is our God us. He loves us and he wants us to go and do likewise. He wants us to go and proclaim this message of grace of salvation to all peoples. And that might look different for all of us because we all have different contexts with which we find ourselves in. But maybe it's just having your neighbors over for dinner on a regular basis. It's opening up your home, beginning to talk to people who you normally wouldn't talk to in the grocery store. Like, I know we're from New Jersey. We don't like to talk to people. Like, I get it. I get it. I'm like, I'm in and out on the road. I'm just like, leave me alone. Everyone get away from me. But man, we got to fight that. We got to fight that because God's calling us to, to move outward. The gospel expands. The kingdom of God expands. All the parables about the kingdom are all about its expansion just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have an opportunity to be a part of it. That's really what it comes down to. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue its work with or without us. And, and we have been given this beautiful opportunity to, to sign up and be, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Right, Redeemer, you guys are in. You planted a church in Point Pleasant. You guys are in. You want to do this. You want to see this happen. Eric, we talk all the time about wanting to plant more and more churches. Like, we're in. We want to do it. Let's stay in. Let's stay in. Let's continue to remain committed to the vision that God gives us in his scriptures. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the beauty of the gospel, Lord God, for the wonder of the gospel, the, 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 the magnitude of this, this good news, Lord God, this good news that those who are far off are brought near by your blood. That no longer are there distinctions, um, but rather, Lord, there's one new man, one new human made in your image, Lord God. And I pray that 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 would sit with us, that would resonate with us, that would push us to, to become the very people you are calling us to be, Lord God. We love you, in Christ's name, amen.